I think that we learn more from mistakes than from our achievements. I mean, we learn more about life. And I have had companies who have succeeded so much, some of them so fast. But I have had companies who felt miserable and it was very difficult to close those projects. Uh, with a personality like us that is like, I can do it. and I'm going to figure it out. You know, I can do everything. So because our ego is on, its way, on our way sometimes. But if I had to, if there is one thing that I can go back on time and tell my younger self will be learn to say no. Welcome to Distinctly You, where we talk to women who have redefined success at different seasons of change. Today, I'll be chatting with Dolce Conde, an entrepreneur and consultant whose primary focus is in the healthcare industry. She is the CEO and founder of multiple long-term care and diagnostic corporations. What does it take to be a serial entrepreneur like Dolce? Well, let's get into the conversation. Hello, Dolce. Welcome to Distinctly You. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here and support the work that you are doing for so many of us women. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. Gosh, it's been such a while since we've actually seen each other. We had the pleasure of attending Georgetown together. And you have always been such a bright light. And a lot of the work that you do, especially within the healthcare space, is something that has always resonated with me. And so I really, really appreciate you for taking the time out of, I know, your really busy schedule to have a chat with us today. Yeah, I don't know what woman doesn't have a busy schedule. We are always like having different hats and trying to do like being the moms and be the wives and be the, the, the professionals. And yeah, so many memories from, from Georgetown, right? I mean, it has been a while. It really has. And, you know, with a lot of what you do as an entrepreneur, you're pretty much a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, you just talked a little bit about us as women wearing so many different hats, whether it's as a wife, as a mom, like you said, as, as entrepreneurs, you know, being enterprising, you know, there's just so much that goes into that. But just for you specifically, how do you feel like your background has prepared you for what you do today? You know, what, what are the memories of like your early years that had you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? I think so. I remember, I remember back when I was probably seven years old. You know, when you're in class in a school, there is always that some, some classmate that forgets the pen and the pencil, the eraser, the this or the that. So I remember that I was always being asked like, oh, do you have another pen uh, or another pencil or whatever? And I remember one day it just hit me, right? So this kid, we're about to start a test. And this kid says, oh, do you have another pencil? And I just had one pencil, right? my one pencil. And I just look at the pencil and look at him and it's like, I can say you have. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because we're about to sell a test. So I just pretty much break it in half, sold it to him for the price of a brand new one because obviously he had a very strong need in that moment. And, and then in that day, I went back home with money and I told my mom, I'm going to start selling office supplies in the school. And I became the go-to person for, you know, finding whatever they forget at home. And then I started diversifying. I started adding candies and cookies and whatnot. So I guess it was something that was just on me since I was very, very young. Wow. 
You know, that definitely is onset of a budding entrepreneur being able to see an opportunity and at the age of seven years old, being able to say, you know what, hmm, here's a business opportunity here. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And so I know you are focused not necessarily solely within the healthcare space, but I know primarily that is something that you've done a lot with, especially in the area of long-term care. Can you like share a little bit like, how did you get into the healthcare space? Is it something that you had always desired to do? Or was it just a series of events that got you there? I think, I think it was also part of me and my family. So my grandfather was a physician. So they have the strong influence in our blood, I guess, and healthcare because of him. And then my mom became a nurse. And so when I, she started nursing school when I was already born, so I was little. So it, it was, uh, believe it or not, it was possible for her to go to nursing school and carry me over. But I was born in Mexico and in that country, we don't have school loans or any kind of government programs for us to be able to fund, you know, going to school, especially medicine. I mean, it's an expensive school. Uh, so I, I have to choose a different path that it was easy. So since business is also kind of like a part of me, I had a chance to go for accounting. So when I, when I moved to this country, in some point in my life, I wanted to start my first business and my official formal business. And I thought, what can I do? So it was my opportunity to actually combine my passion for business and my passion for healthcare. And I started in the long-term care space. I started with a hospice agency that was back in Oh my God, I'm going to reveal my age. That was back in 2007. So it has been a while since then. Wow. I really actually love what you just said here. You know, coming from a family that was within the healthcare space, something that you had been exposed to literally since you were a baby and taking just your innate business sense and savvy and being able to say, okay, yeah, maybe... I couldn't be a doctor right now because of the circumstances, but you know what? I have an opportunity to merge my two loves. That's tremendous because a lot of people sometimes can, you know, use the excuses of, oh, I couldn't do this and then just like settle, but you were able to still make it work. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. I think that there are different ways that to achieve our dreams. So one of my dreams is to make a difference in mankind in the healthcare space, right? And and I wanted to do that, but I couldn't be a doctor. Actually, in that point, Sharifa, I was I was recently been married and well maybe not recently, maybe like three, four years been married. And we didn't have kids. So in that moment, I had to make the decision if I'm going to go back to school to pursue my, my career in medicine to become a doctor in, in this country or to, to open my first business. And I was in the middle of like, I went to university. I talked about the program, you know, the, the classes and everything because I was working for a company in that moment. And around those, that time, I find out I was pregnant. So I was that probably that was the, the, the decision making point where I was like, OK, I'm going to have a baby. So what is going to be more achievable for me as a new mom to pursue, you know, going back to school for so many years or do my uh, entrepreneurial dream? So I think I went for the second one and I, I don't regret it. I mean, it has been such an amazing experience. Wow. Your baby made that decision for you. That's beautiful. 
I really like that. Now, since you've been in the healthcare space and more specifically within the like long-term care space, how has that impacted you, especially being exposed to, you know, because hospice care is hard. It is such a beautiful program. Really sad that is when I started probably 15 years ago, there was even less information about hospice. People had a misconception about hospice. And when I learned what hospice is about, because I didn't grow up in this country, right? So for me, the, the term CMS was absolutely unknown. The difference between Medicare and Medicaid was absolutely unknown. So I had to really educate myself into the what is that about? What ha- what healthcare is about in this country? And I had to learn the regulations and everything. But when I, I was I was able to understand the hospice program, I fell in love. I think that just doing something in the healthcare space for somebody else is, is beautiful, but doing it in a moment where people is so vulnerable and it's a privilege, it's an honor to be taking care of not just the person who's in the process of hospice, but for us or for any hospice agency, the patient is the whole family. So we work with the entire family to be able to prepare them for that moment. We do bereavement care for the family after the patient passes for 11 months at least. So it is a whole mission. So more than a business, I mean, yeah, it's a business, but it's really the privilege to be able to change somebody's life. And to answer your question about how that shaped my life, it, it, it really changed my life because by being exposed to my hospice patients, I was able to understand life in a deeper meaning and I was able to see my patients and then see my life and realize how blessed I am. And any given situation that I had gone through in life that is very difficult or whatever situation that is not exactly exciting or happy, I look at my patients and I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm in Disneyland. I mean, they had real problems. You know, I'm going through this, but compared to that, I'm blessed. I'm still super blessed. So it really gave me perspective. And even to nowadays, in some point, we opened the pediatric division for hospice. I'm having a conversation with the families about the little one being through that season helped me to value also the, the possibility to be a mom and to be a mom of two healthy children and to be so it gives you perspective but also and I don't want to make this, this answer too long but I think it's very meaningful uh, also gave me perspective about how do I want to live my life as I'm aging so that inspired me to go into a different area of healthcare, which is more into preventing medicine, personalized medicine, and longevity. So I opened another business that is more in the laboratory space. We do diagnostic testing for people that is not sick, but for people who doesn't want to get sick. So it's about monitoring, about check and balance, you know, are you in a particular treatment? How do you know if it's working? And to offer resources to the community that are less expensive than even medical insurance, that are accessible, that are confidential. People sometimes don't want to test, you know, even if they don't feel, you know, at their prime, they are not testing to, to themselves because they are too easy or they are too scared or they are like, they don't, they don't want to know. And we offer a platform where we can actually provide the opportunity for people to do it from the convenience in their home, different type of testing. And I think that our bodies are speaking to us all the time, Sheriff. Our body speaks, but it doesn't speak English or Spanish or French. Our body speaks a different language that we can only listen by doing a blood test. Mm, mm, wow. 
I mean, there's just so much in what you just said there, but I think what you do is truly a calling. I think it's it's beyond just a business. And also being able to be there for whether it's the older and now even the younger patients at a very difficult point and very sacred point in their lives. And now being able to take that and saying, you know what, how can we help people have preventative care so that we don't have to wait till things are too bad before you start reacting to it. I love how you're very solution oriented in your thinking and not just solution oriented in a way that's like, oh, okay, this is good, but you actually practically doing something about it. I mean, what gives you that drive? I mean, it's one thing to say, I see something. It's a different thing to say, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. That's special. Maybe fear. And Mm -hmm. fear is not a bad thing. The problem with fear is it will let us dictate our lives, right? So when I see, in my case, when I say fear is because when I was seeing my patients uh, with Alzheimer or dementia and the way that they were declining their bodies and or, or not thriving anymore, and I saw, I saw that and like, I, I don't want that to happen to me. So I started taking care of my brain. But how do you take care of the brain if you don't have a neurological disease, neurological problem, right? So I am not have any particular diagnosis to say I need to take care of my brain. So how can I do it? So I start investigating about preventive medicine, about what can we do to prevent or delay dementia, Alzheimer's as we are aging. And it was that fear that I don't want my life to end like that that make me do something for myself. And then whenever you discover all these treasures that are out there, you cannot just keep it to yourself. You have to share it with the world, right? It's just responsibility. So we, I started, I have spent more than, more than 10 years studying into the longevity space with different communities, different physicians from all over the world and trying to educate myself. So we can, like, how can I, how can I do this to the community? How can I, influence this to the world? How can I share it? If I am not a physician, I cannot be a functional medicine doctor, for example. So I was like, okay, well, what I can do is provide resources to these functional medicine doctors or chiropractors or naturopathies or longevity clinics to be able to offer them the information. Because at the end of the day, and you know this, this topic very well, at the end of the day, it's all about data. If we have the data, then we can do something about it. But if we don't have information, you're oblivious. So I create uh, the lab testing accessible to the community so we have information. And if I know that my hormones are a little bit off balance, then I can do something about it. If I see that my, my neurotransmitters are not working properly, I know I need to do something about it to protect my brain. Or the food sensitivity, right? I mean, there are food that has a very good fame because it's healthy. For example, I switch from regular milk to almond milk because it's supposed to be healthier, trying to avoid lactose. And I do a food sensitivity test, and it happens that I am sensitive to almonds. So my body and almonds are not exactly the best friends. So here I am doing something that I think is right for my body when it was not, but I would have no way to know until I do a, a food sensitivity testing. So I think it's really something where I feel is my responsibility. And since I am not a doctor, I'm not a science, I I can do it from the platform that I have. Wow, that that's that's so true. You know, I actually had my son do a food sensitivity test uh, a while ago, and he had been dealing with like some eczema. 
And usually when you go to the doctor, they'll do an allergy test. And we knew he was allergic to like nuts. But with the food sensitivity test, we were shocked that he was sensitive to spinach. We're like, you know, you tell your kids, eat your vegetables, right? And you don't realize (laughs) that there's a particular vegetable that's not really good for them. So you're right. And so he took that out of his diet. And without having to take medications or things like that, just eliminating certain foods from your diet cleared up his skin, you know, and so it's huge. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you said something very, very important. Our bodies have the capability to heal themselves. You know, mm-hmm. we cut, we don't do anything. The skin starts closing by itself, right? The, the cells are start doing their job to don't bleed to that. So the, our body has the capability to heal so many things, but we just need to stop getting on its way. So sometimes getting on the way of my body healing is eating the wrong food or no managing issues. For example, we have a panel that we test for cortisol. Oh boy. I mean, there are so many things we can do to reduce our cortisol levels that doesn't require medication. There are some like being just having a gratitude journal, for example, reduces cortisol, reduces stress, the, the, how we handle, how do our body reacts to stress, like doing yoga, like doing exercise, you know, improving our sleeping patterns at night is so important. So there are so many things that really don't require medication. I'm not against medicine. I think that there is a, a, a time and a place for everything, but there are things that we can do proactively that we don't need to wait for somebody to tell us take this pill. We can be mindful about it and then take care of our body in a bit we need to love ourselves yeah Um, yeah I absolutely agree in fact I've really been on the bend lately about self-care especially for us as women and when you talked about even reducing cortisol and things like that and I know when we started our conversation earlier we talked about how we as women we do so many things and we tend to put ourselves last right and put our families and everyone else ahead of us but in that place of self-care part of self-care it's not only just going on vacation but it is is, like you said, whether it's having the gratitude journal, taking a step back, and just having your me time, that in itself is also very healing. You know, sometimes your body is like slow down and listening to it. So definitely, I appreciate what you said there, because that is definitely huge. Based on a lot of what you're doing right now, especially with respects to healthcare, and especially with respects with some of the things that you are doing based on the knowledge you are acquiring from seeing patients and seeing what people are going through. What do you know now that you wish you knew sooner? And what advice would you have for people to say, you know what, now that you know it now, listen, let me shout it from the rooftop. Here's what you should be doing from an earlier age. There is, oh, wow. It's it's very hard to pick one because I think that we learn more from mistakes than from our achievements. I mean, we learn more about life. And I have had companies who have succeeded so much, some of them so fast, but I have had companies who fail miserable and it was very difficult to close those projects. Uh, In a personality like us that is like, I can do it and I'm going to figure it out. You know, I can do everything. So, because our ego is on, his way, on our way sometimes. But if I have to, if there is one thing 
that I can go back on time and tell my younger self will be learn to say no. That's so critical. There has been so many mistakes, whether it's business or even in my personal life, that I could have avoided so much pain or money or time if I knew how to say no. And sometimes, like for example, I'm an, like you say, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love businesses and I love to create. I'm very creative and I'm very curious about everything. And, and I see business opportunities. I mean, I go to a restaurant, I see a business opportunity. I see how can they reduce at least 20% of their cost like this. It just, it just happens, right? It just comes to my brain. So I wanted to do it all. And it is impossible to do thousand different businesses at the same time. You know, everything requires a particular coordination. And I have to learn to say no to business opportunities. I have to learn to say no to investments that are like so attractive, appealing, but probably that money, the, the, the cost of opportunity, right? That money in this other project will make more sense in this particular moment. I should have probably said no to things, to bad habits that I probably were not good for my health, were not good for my life. I There were so many things I should have said no. And because I didn't know how to say no, or I wanted to prove I can do it all, I got more into trouble. So I think in both although my personal life and my business life, learning to say no, thank you, but no thank you, has been one of the things probably I practice the most now as an adult in my business because now I'm more selective how I invest my time, who I invest my time with, what I put my attention, where I put my resources. And and money is an amazing resource, but time is the ultimate resource because money, you can get it back, time you can't. Mm. So I had been more selective in who I spend my my energy with, you know, like they, they said that the people you surround yourself, the people you become is absolutely true. So a bit more selective, even how I spend my time, my weekends, my vacations, my my money, my what projects do I, I spend time with. So I still think I have a journey to keep learning to say no, to keep being even more selective, but I'm doing a better job now than when I was, doing it 20 years ago, or even 10 years ago. Well, I definitely agree with that. I mean, what you said is spot on about the fact that with time, it's something that you just never get back. And us truly being selective and really paying attention to how we're spending our time and who we're spending our time with is absolutely critical. And I I'm so, again, appreciative that you chose to spend some time with me today. So I feel very honored. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored that you actually invite me. You're a person that I really uh, have brain memories with uh, from our time in Georgetown. And, and I always really admire your professionalism, your personality. You're always caring for others. And, and you're a very, very smart woman. It's really an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much, Dolce. And same to you, same for you as well. I am just curious, what would you say is the season of life that you find yourself in right now? What would you call your current season? Expansion. Expansion. Although I am probably in a moment where I'm being more selective, whenever, let me give you an analogy, okay? So let's say that 
you have, I don't even know what is the name in English for these weapons, but you know, like you have a weapon that is going to be shooting a thousand different bullets at the same time. And you're like, you just go, and you're wasting so many bullets and probably you're killing nobody. But if you're a sniper, it's one bullet, one dead. And I'm not one of, this is not that you promise bad because it's about death. But you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's about hunting. So I'm probably expanding more, reducing my, my bandwidth of what I'm putting my energy into, my focus into, than going to try to do everything at once. So right now I'm expanding into my business life. My children are grown up now, like they're not so grown up, but they are they are teenagers, young adults. So I have more, I don't have to you know, to give them a bath myself, or, you know, spoon feed them. So they, I have more time to be able to do something, you know, more, more with my time because they are not, depending of me to to be able to eat or get a bad or something so that gives me a lot of freedom a lot of flexibility so i i feel really excited for what we are creating right now i think that we're in the right moment into the longevity space because it, it, you know a lifespan extending to over a hundred years it becoming a normal conversation nowadays when probably when you and i met talking about living more than a hundred which is like like it's not even a dream. I see my patients dying at 60, 70, 80. I was like, no, it's not possible. Maybe it's possible to live over a hundred, but not with a good quality of life. But science has made so much progress that for me to be part of this uh, industry at this particular moment, doing what we do toward longevity is super exciting. So I just came back from speaking in a conference about longevity in London just last week. And it's so fascinating. It's, it's so fascinating to be able to do a good, without being a physician, to be able to contribute to this industry and to be have physician learning what, what lab testing is evolving as well. You know, you used to be sick, go to the doctor and do lab work. Now we're like, no, let's do lab work so we don't get sick. So it's, it's, it's the mentality of the war is changing, it's evolving. And it was very interesting because this conference was about in the aesthetic space. So they were like plastic surgeons. They were like dermatologists, all these companies with great equipments and treatments for to look beautiful and be look youthful, right? And me talking to them about, yes, but beauty is an inside job. Because if I had diabetes, no matter the creams, expensive creams, no matter the plastic surgery, my skin is going to be compromised. My eyesight is going to be compromised. My, my liver is going to be compromised. Like everything right in our health. So being beautiful, look youthful is something that starts with from within. So to me, expanding, this is a season of expanding because I feel so excited about being in this industry in this particular moment in the history of mankind. Wow, that sounds like super, super exciting, Dolce. I, I really love that for you. And I love that for, you know, what's happening, especially in our lifetime right now. So that's, that's absolutely amazing. So I can't let you leave without asking you like, a really critical question. And, and that's like, Dolce, what makes you distinctly you? Oh, gosh. What makes me me? What makes me me? Maybe, maybe <laughs> that, that was a tough question. Very far. Uh, I really don't know. I think, as you said, when we live in the past, our background, the way that we are growing up, it gives you particular foundations, and I think 
I was born in a family that I was actually very poor. Being a doctor, by the way, in Mexico is not like being a doctor in the U.S. You know, like they are poor people, <laughs> like not, not like very wealthy doctors. So I was born in a family who actually lost everything when they migrated from Italy to Mexico. So my grandparents lost everything. I was born in a family who had no financial means. So that taught me about surviving. That gave me survival skills where... I knew I don't have necessarily a mom and a dad who's going to give me everything on a silver plate. I have to be able to do something about improving my life. So since I was very, very little, living in such a very poor conditions, it made me think like, oh, I am not going to be poor. I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. I have to figure it out. And that was probably also a drive for me to be able to start working very young because the concept of being generating money at that age it was it was really changing. I was able to contribute to my mom's uh, to the finance of the house to give the money to my mom so, so she can buy groceries for all of us. So that was a very interesting feeling. And I guess everything I went through in life, which was not exactly easy, taught me, taught me resilience. So... I had gone through different paths in life that hasn't been really nice and pretty. And it has been painful experiences who made me who I am right now. So I value the food I had on my plate. I value living in an apartment like this in beautiful Miami. I can value being healthy and have my family. And, and whatever I go through life, because even nowadays, there are difficult moments sometimes, whether it's in business or personal. And I just know that no matter what, if I go through hell, I know God is with me and he's going to pull me out of it and he's going to put me back on my feet and I'm going to continue. I'm going to survive. So I guess, I guess the survival instinct I have within me that I'm not going to give up. You know, I'm not going to stop. I'm just starting. Wow. I love that. And resilience is, is a word that is very special to me. So I, I see that in you. You've always been someone that has always found like alternative ways of doing things. You never hear the word no. You've always been someone that I've known that perseveres, you know, irrespective. And so I love that and that, and you are living your truth, my dear. So Dolce, I love that. For anyone who's listening, who wants to learn more about long-term care, about just healthcare in general, uh, more about, you know, some of the work that you're doing, uh, speaking engagements you're participating in, how can people uh, connect with you? I think the best place to reach out to me is through my personal website, which is crownfirm.com. I have a consulting because just like you, people start asking me, like, how did you do it? And how do you handle this? And how do you handle that? And I very organically started a consulting company for women in the business of healthcare. So we're specialized on women because I feel a call to, to support other women as I have been supported. And in the healthcare space, because that's really the core of what I have my passion on. So there are, everything I'm speaking is there, you know, different resources are there and they can contact us uh, through that website if they want to know more about long-term care and hospice, which we're just doing it in Texas, by the way, or the uh, performance lab testing, which we do not just in the, in the country, but worldwide. We have business all over the world. So that's very exciting. Uh, so they can find, they can contact us through there and then we can direct them to the right place. Fantastic. I will be sure to make sure we put that information out there for everyone. Again, Dolce, 
thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us here on Distinctly You. It has been such a pleasure sh um, chatting with you today. Likewise, and the best of luck on everything you're doing and all the women you are inspiring. Like, don't stop, Trey. You have so much to give. Thank you so much, Dolce. Take care. Bye-bye.